0: Our special holiday edition of Legacy Listening. I'm your host, Nancy Predahl, lampre President and CEO. Today, we're unwrapping 2022 with some of our Lampre-Nearson team members. At the beginning of 22, we set purpose in motion for the year. True to its name, this year has been a year of executing our commitments and acting with purpose. As our firm navigated the winding path of 2022, We have been successful through our relentless optimism, resilience and purposeful determination. Our guests today are Mike McIntosh, design group leader for our Omaha office, executive team member and board of directors member, senior landscape architect and wetland specialist Sam Howland and organizational development lead Kim Shanahan. Welcome everyone. It was quite a year. Mike, I'm going to ask you the first question that I ask all of our guests to kick off an episode. As you well know, our company's purpose statement is leaving a legacy of enduring improvements to our communities. How does our purpose of leaving a legacy resonate with you?
1: Well, hi, Nancy, and thanks for having me on your podcast. This is my first experience doing a podcast, so this is super cool. Yeah, welcome. We're glad to have you. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, as a civil engineer, by definition, we design Uh, the built environment for everyone to be able to live in to thrive to work to play and to be safe in and so leaving a legacy to me as a civil engineer means providing these great projects for us to be able to meet these goals today but also having a long-term mindset to ensure that these projects can be used and enjoyed by future generations as well and so so for me it's a little bit personal because i'm raising a family in my community that is directly interacting with some of the projects that we're working mm-hmm. on. Um, and one example I can give is uh, we're doing projects at our local zoo um, where we go down and use quite a bit and we get to see the smiles on our kids' faces and the smiles on all the families that are able to use uh, our local zoo. And so I see firsthand the impacts that the built environment has on people and I want our community to be able to enjoy these projects for a long time into the future.
0: Yeah, I would love it when we were able to go see a project that we worked on, walk it, play in it, experience it. That's one of the things I love about being an engineer.
1: Yeah, my wife gets a little tired of me pointing out the same projects <laughs> I've worked on over and over and over. I think she knows which ones I've done.
0: Yeah, it's still good stuff. I still like to brag. Yeah, it's still good stuff. Kim, what about you? How does our purpose statement of leaving a legacy resonate with you? Oh, gosh, when I think about leaving a legacy –
2: To me, that's really all about leaving things better than we found them. Um, We have a really positive impact on the people and the communities we touch, whether that's our employees, our clients, and the public that gets to use our projects
3: that we design.
0: Sam, the same question to you. What does our purpose of leaving a legacy resonate with you?
3: Once again, Nancy, thank you for having me. Um, Just kind of the same response in general. Like, this is the main reason why I got into landscape architecture and environmental studies. And this is one of the things that led me even to Lampre and in my job search um, and how I've always felt at home at Lampre and Earson through my career development and how I want to make sure that I'm providing equitable and sustainable projects that include the needs of all members of my environment. So Mm. in the aspect of plants, animals, and people, how are we all using it and how are we interacting it? And what are those effects that may occur on our environment and the people in them and good or bad? What's the
0: result? Yeah. Thank you, Sam, for that. I think that as engineers, landscape architects, and surveyors, we're in a n- unique position to promote equitability in new ways, whether it's plants, animals, or people. And the opportunities are endless when it comes to creating spaces and infrastructure. At lampre we're continually expanding our thinking on equity issues to better understand how we can serve the needs within our communities on all types of projects. This year, we launched our legacy design guide for equity and sustainability for projects. The intent of this guide is to make a difference in our communities, build our business, and create meaning for everyone. Mike, how do you feel that this new legacy design guide can better serve our projects?
1: Well, as we kind of already talked about, when we're designing projects, it's important that we meet those short-term goals that I talked about of designing a community for everybody to be able to use now, to be safe in, to to thrive in, to work and play, um, and enjoy the benefits of those projects. Uh, But we also need to have a long-term mindset and look at how sustainable the project is. Look at how does it impact our natural environments? Uh, What, if any, negative long-term impacts, um, maybe unforeseen, uh, could the project have on our community? Um, There's obviously many examples of historical projects um, done by the engineering and and the L.A. and planning community where the long-term impacts to the communities were not considered. And then in hindsight, we see the effects some of those Mm -hmm. impacts can have, some of the negative effects, um, which weren't intended consequences, but they weren't necessarily thought about during the design. Mm -hmm. And we need to stop and take a step back and be thinking about those things and the long-term effect of our projects.
0: I had an opportunity to present at the University of Nebraska Civil Civil and Environmental Engineering Scholarship um, Awards Banquet last Friday night. And we talked about that very thing, that the acts of redlining and the FHA's program for building highways through communities of color, the long-term impacts those have had. And so it's really thinking about that and unpacking that as engineers, as planners, as landscape architects, and what that impact can have and has had, and then how do we unwind that. I think it's really important.
1: Right. One one national example I can give is, just recently with Flint, Michigan and the the water crisis, that there was a immediate problem that needed to be solved with the water system and the design community or or the designers who did that just looked at the short term, we need to solve this problem today without thinking about the way they solved that problem, created major problems and we saw the impacts of that decision. Um, That was an example of not giving foresight into what some of the long term consequences of our decisions can be and how significant it is to communities and devastating.
0: Yeah, it's really important to think about that bigger picture and and how we do impact community. So adding value and purpose, it's not a prescribed path. There can be moments of messiness and uncertainties especially as you're talking about unwinding some of the impacts that projects have had over the long term. While creating the Legacy Design Guide for Equity and Sustainability, we thought about our overall shareholder value and researched methods that align with our purpose. Our goal is that the Design Guide is an intricate part of the equation of Lamper projects. Sam, how do you feel that a Legacy Design Guide helps build resiliency for projects in our communities?
3: Well, Nancy, as engineers and landscape architects, this is always our goal and hope for all of our projects, um, that they'll last decades and they can be visited for hundreds of years. But our environments have changed, and we have discovered that there are some things that may not have been considered in the past, similar to the Flint, Michigan event. But that is the hope that this Legacy Design Guide is there to help support and gather information from community members, all the way to the collaboration with additional professionals that may be more knowledgeable than we are this helps us as designers calculate the impacts i'm talking good impacts our design on our communities from day one all the way to the end of life of our project which of course we hope is hundreds of years from now
0: when we think about our legacy design guide, we start at the beginning with leadership. We look to community. We look to design. We look to how we build it. Then we look at measurements. It's it's not it's fluid. It's this idea that it's not a prescribed path. And all of those influence each other. And I think it's really important that we consider that as we work through our design and we use the design guide.
3: Yes, I would agree.
0: So another idea behind this is that companies driven by purpose outperform others. This ideology has been studied by many of the world's greatest intellects and leaders. Creating equity isn't a zero-sum game. Mike, how do you think the Legacy Design Guide creates both financial and sustainability benefits for a project?
1: So, Nancy, as you mentioned, this isn't a zero-sum game. And we've been talking a lot at Lampreneurson about growing the pie for everyone. That's something you've been talking quite a bit about um, at Lampreneurson, where we can create value and purpose for all the stakeholders uh, without subtracting value from somebody else. And so that's one of our goals that we want to be able to do is grow the pie and give that uh, value and purpose to all the stakeholders. So you know in our legacy design guidelines, there are certain things um, that we can look at and just see that they're just common sense things to do, things that don't even necessarily add capital cost to the project. So one example that I would give is just ensuring that we're identifying all the stakeholders in a project and then effectively communicating the project Mm -hmm. impacts with them. So an example of that may be if we're doing a project that's next to an elementary school. We need to make sure we're working with all the people who are working in that school and communicating the impacts during construction and maybe the impacts post-construction and make sure that their needs are being considered. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of something we can do. It's kind of a no-brainer, but it's things we need to do to be thinking with that long-term impact. Um, there are other things we could look at that do add upfront capital cost uh, to the project, uh, but they still provide a value to, to the project. And um, this value may be apparent, but it may be hard to measure sure. what that value is. Right. Um, things like the value of preserving nature, the value of clean water, or even reputation, things like that that you know, aren't always tangible, but they can provide significant value um, to our clients and to our stakeholders so one thing that I think we do with the Legacy Design Guideline is to be able to provide options. So one one idea I was thinking about is um, the EV cars that are available now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, p- people, when they buy a car, they may take that into consideration, and they'll look at the the pros and the cons and see if that's right. A good yeah. choice of those options to our clients.
0: Yeah, when you think about the impact that these type of projects really can have, you use the EV car as an example. I was just reading an article that affordable housing development aren't necessarily including charging stations. So that if you look at developing a new affordable housing project, if you don't consider the long-term impact of them not having charging stations within that development, then you're excluding that segment of that community from ever getting electric cars. So that's another example of if you put the infrastructure in at the beginning of a project, then when it is accessible to folks, they can use it. But if you don't consider that infrastructure build at the beginning of the project, the retrofit is much more expensive.
1: Right. That's a great example of short-term thinking. How do I solve the problem that exists today without considering what the long-term impacts and the long-term negative Mm -hmm. impacts will be and so that's it's a change of mindset and that's one thing we're trying to do with all our staff is just to change that mindset so people are thinking about both the short term but also those impacts that could be in the long term
0: you know when you think about that the idea that a, a group of folks in a community won't have access to electric cars or any whatever other amenity that might be having stakeholder engagement at the onset of a project can proactively address those long-term social, economic, and environmental changes that impact a community's quality of life in ways that we can't alone. So Sam, how do you feel the Legacy Design Guide can help clients improve the quality of life in their communities?
3: This is definitely where the Legacy Design Guide, I think, thrives. Um, we built this off of the idea of the Im- guidance from Envision, which is similar to leads in the fact of a certificate that you can get that kind of qualifies your project as the high level, sustainable project. Mm-hmm. So kind of using that to build this guideline, we are encouraged to dig into the socioeconomic improvements our project will have mm-hmm. on top of what improvements we'll have on our communities, as well as the current needs, goals, and issues that may be existing in our communities through this design guide, we are also taking a step back and looking at the positive effects that we can have on future developments Mm -hmm. and minimize, if not avoid, all alternative impacts to our surrounding environments. Once again, considering all our community members, plants, animals, and humans. This is exactly how we build equity in infrastructure.
0: So Sam and Mike, what are you most excited about with this legacy design guide.
1: So I'm excited about, again, changing that mindset to long-term thinking. I I was thinking about, you know, we can go back just 40 years ago and see things we were doing, like discharging raw sewage into our creeks. And it's so obvious now, looking back, Mm -hmm. like, why were we doing this? Like, it's just so obvious that we shouldn't have been doing that. And so there's, you know, a mental model that I use to say, I'm gonna put myself 30 or 40 years in the future, and try to look back at what we're doing now and how we can do it better. And I think if we can get everybody, you know, in the design world to kind of think that way and Mm -hmm. to have that mindset, Mm -hmm. I think we can really change how the community designs projects. I I think it, we're not there yet, but I think we can get there, and I think that's really going to create a lot of value. It's going to be equitable. We're gonna be able to include you know, everybody and and everybody's going to be able to use these projects and thrive um, with the projects that we design. So I'm just excited about, you know, the the change that we're seeing mm-hmm. um, in, the, in, in the design world and seeing that come to fruition. I think we're still kind of at the beginning stages of it, but I, I think we're working our way there and I'm excited to see where it's going to end up.
0: Yeah, thank you. How about you, Sam?
3: Um, I think I would kind of piggyback off of that, Um, thinking of long-term, when we are redeveloping sites, what can we recycle and reuse rather than just put in our waste facilities? Those are starting to build up. We don't have much more room to expand and throw things away at, so how are we reusing some of these elements that are already there? What can we do with existing roads that may need to move or may need to be updated using them as crushed gravel below our infrastructure, things like that? So, thinking of projects holistically on how we are minimizing maybe energy while constructing or mm-hmm. how we are recycling those
0: aspects of those materials. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited for us to be rolling this out and looking at projects and and you both mentioned the Envision framework that we, we built our legacy design guide. It's It's good design, it's good design principles. It has an opportunity to build resiliency, it has an opportunity to build equity, it has an opportunity to build sustainability. So I'm excited to see how we take this to the next level at Lampre-Nearson. In addition to our Legacy Design Guide, which Sam and Mike were talking about, another major company-wide initiative we accomplished this year is the addition of our sixth core value. Our core values and purpose statement drive us in all that we do, setting the groundwork for our business. It's my go-to of where we start whenever we're having a new initiative or thinking about strategy. Further putting purpose in motion, one of our top diversity, equity, and inclusion goals for 2022 was the creation of this new core value to encapsulate our commitment to these principles within our company culture. Kim, could you share our new core value with us?
2: Of course. Our new core value is we foster an equitable and inclusive culture that values diverse ideas and backgrounds.
0: At Nielsen, we are dedicated to a work environment founded on inclusion, empowerment, and respect. In preparation to developing this new core value, you conducted extensive research through focus groups across the company and gathered in-depth feedback during this core value creation process. Kim, this is a two-part question. What were some of the goals of these focus groups and what were some of the key takeaways garnered from our community of solvers during this process?
2: Right. So, you know, first, I want to say that over 80 percent of our employees company wide participated in these focus groups. So obviously people wanted to be a part of the conversation. And that really matches the research that says that the best practices for doing these sort of things is to go from the ground up rather than having it be something that's created and dictated only from the top down. Mm So these focus groups that we held, they had two goals, really. Uh, The first was to help us understand how different employees, individual employees, are experiencing our workplace as it relates to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And then also to dive into some potential language uh, for our new core value. We wanted to see what was going to resonate, what would fall flat you know, we learned so much during these conversations. People were so candid, very honest in their responses. They provided a lot of really great feedback about what we were doing well and where we sometimes fall short. Um, in terms of the language, you know, we asked them to really look at some example core values we had pulled from, you know, all over the country and some place, you know, in some places international to see what types of sample language, whether it's a word or a phrase, really felt like it was true to lamprey Nielsen, mm-hmm. We had a lot of feedback um, and really some things that stood out was that whatever we chose should be
0: action-oriented, it should be clear, and it should be concise. So I think that you know one of the things we did from the feedback was we went and looked at some of our existing core values and changed them from we will to we do, mm-hmm. and I think that speaks to this idea that our team members wanted us to be more action oriented. Right. So during this process, the creation of the new core value was a multi-step journey, and transparency was at the heart of this, it, it needed to be for it to be successful. As you mentioned, it, it needed to not be driven down from the CEO position, but needed to be brought up from all levels of the organization. An important stage involved language crafting workshops that consisted of numerous internal and external Lamper nearson voices. Who were those voices, and what was the importance of bringing a team of folks together to draft that initial language, Kim?
2: Right, so our writing team was made up of quite a few folks. So it was made up of the members of our diversity and uh, inclusivity uh, advisory committee, and that includes myself, it includes Nancy, for our listeners who don't know, it also includes Gailen Brennan, who leads human resources here at Lampre-Nearson, Joe Etkin, who is a board of directors member, as well as our ethics officer, Candace Hartley, who leads marketing and business development, as well as Tony O'Malley, who is a board member and leads our Kansas City office. We also brought in Chantelle Mallory, our outside board of directors member to lend her voice, as well as Teddy Ann Vaught, who is our corporate communications lead. So, we brought this team together. We dug into the most and the least preferred words and phrases from what we heard in the focus groups, and we started laying out the possibilities. Once we had crafted four or five that we felt confident would be excellent core values, we put it back out to all employees. Everyone had the opportunity to vote on their favorite choice. So, in this way, really, between the focus groups and the writing workshops, everyone in the whole company had a voice in creating the new core value.
0: Why do you think it's so important that we threw the core values back out to the team and let folks vote on them?
2: You know, just that same thought that the process could not be Mm -hmm. top-down. And so we wanted to make sure that we were transparent and truly inclusive, you know, if this core value is supposed to cover diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging, um, it seemed only right to make sure that every step in the process was as inclusive as it could be.
0: While we have a legacy of servant leadership and project management expertise, our dynamic people truly make our firm remarkable and drive our business. Inclusion, diversity, and equity are cornerstones of our culture. By embracing all perspectives, we collaborate to create positive and lasting progress. Kim, how do you feel the new core value will expand our legacy as a company? Well, Nancy,
2: you really, you just nailed it. Nearson's greatest asset is our people. And by creating this core value, we're really cementing our intention of the kind of a workplace that we want to be for all of our staff.
0: Well, I I appreciate all the work that you put into helping to create our new core value, Kim, and the way you brought our whole team together. So thank you for that. And that's a wrap for today. That's all the time we have. Thank you for tuning in to the Legacy Listening Podcast with your host, Nancy Predahl, as we unwrapped 2022. Throughout the year, we have moved forward on company-wide initiatives and created meaningful growth. Let us carry on in the spirit of goodwill and commitment to our continued success into the new year. I'd like to once again thank all of our guests for joining us today. It was a pleasure and honor to have you with us. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Like, share, and tune in next quarter as we continue.